Blog Talk Radio. Situation report, the SIDREP baby. Yeah, 
So um, check this out. Um, yesterday we were talking about Trump derangement syndrome and how liberals are beside themselves with grief, anger, and disbelief. They're going through the seven stages of grief all to be damned. They cannot believe that their darling Hillary Rodham Clinton got her ass stumped by a political novice, an upstart, a cocky old bastard, a businessman, a regular guy, except for all the cash, except for all the bread, except for the limos, the hot wife, the beautiful children, and all the success. Pretty much, he's just a regular guy. When you really think about it, when you really break it down, because what what other than a regular guy would say some of the stuff that he says and, and just be out there and so politically incorrect than a regular guy? And that's what Trump is. And you know what? Liberals can't stand it. They're saying he's unfit to hold the office of the presidency. They're saying that. Donald John Trump is not presidential. They're saying that he doesn't have the necessary tools to be president of the United States. They're saying he's unfit. They're saying he talks about grabbing women by the crotch, that other word, the P word. He talk about how vulgar he is and how he abuses women and how he's a misogynistic pig. Well, that kind of talk plays into a man like me. That plays into my hands. Because I am a historian. And I can count on fingers and toes the number of presidents, Democrats, mind you, that fit that description. John F. Kennedy, for one. Hmm. He had hoes in different area codes and in the same area code and in the same White House and in the White House pool while Jackie was upstairs. He had these two chicks called Fiddle, uh, nicknamed Fiddle and Faddle, two blonde bombshells. Bucks them all to be damned. In the White House pool while he was butt ass naked, skinny dipping with these two chicks. They wore t shirts. And Secret Service men recount that they could see everything. And that they were complicit in bringing hookers and an assorted menagerie of women. To JFK on a daily basis. But Trump. Trump hates women. Trump is misogyn- misogynistic. Trump is. Talking about grabbing women by the crotch. Trump has abused women. And touched women. And done stuff like that. Trump had an affair. Allegedly. With a porn actress. But LBJ was getting it on and was even caught once by Lady Bird. 
LBJ was screwing women in Air Force One two at a time while Lady Bird was in the next cabin. Oh, you doubt me? <laughs> I'm glad that you do. You know, the 20 so so let's get let 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 let's bring class in session and let the doctor talk about it right now with you for just a little bit, just about 51 minutes. You know, the 25th amendment to the Constitution of the United States defines the conditions for suspending a president's authority. But it it doesn't constrain the reasoning behind it. Why is that? Because as written, the amendment states that if a president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office, the vice president and a majority of the cabinet can suspend him. Did you know that? Not not just Congress. In an impeachment article, the vice president and the majority of the cabinet can suspend him. Historically, such an inability was attributed attributable to illness or medical problems. So let's say Trump suffered a stroke or something, you know, something like that, or a heart attack, and he couldn't he couldn't discharge the duties, something like that. But in light of President Donald Trump, there's an expanded interpretation. Medicine aside, some suggest that. Trump is unfit to serve. And lawmakers, Democrats all, have threatened that if they take control of the House, that they were called, that they will invoke the 25th Amendment against him. That's right. But as we'll see, there have been quite a few presidents who fit that description and more, so much more. Than Donald John Trump. Now, to be fair, a lot of these facts didn't come out until these presidents were out of office, LBJ being one. But there were certainly rumors. There were certain certainly innuendo. But back then, the press, even if they weren't on your side, even if they were Republican or Democrat, the press, well... Back in the old days, there was a line that the press simply would not cross. Pretty much, they had you know they had class. They 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 they, um, they displayed grace, and to to the to to a fault certainly with LBJ and then um, JFK and some others, but. As we'll see, LBJ was getting it on big time, and he was doing all kinds of other crazy stuff. Did you know that he would stand in the doorway of the plane of, of Air Force One smiling and grinning and waving? And from a distance, all you saw him doing was smiling and grinning and waving to the crowd. But what he was saying was, I'll piss on you all. You dumbass morons. He was he was saying all this shit. And how do I know this? Well, it's documented. The folks on the plane told the story years later after he was out of office and after he was dead. 
So he can't defend himself, but, you know, a lot of these people are damn reliable, as you'll hear. Secret Service agents who were part of his detail who were released from their obligation of secrecy. So let's get started. The question was how well it would learn lessons. Wait. (laughs) Yeah, let's wait for it. Let's wait for it. Let's not do it right here and now. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and we'll come back. And, you know, you're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll be right back. Don't you fret. Yeah, I know you're waiting for it, aren't you? You're waiting for it, and I'm going to give it to you. All right. All right. Let's see what we got to do next. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. You're listening to C. Robert Jones. All right. Be right back. Internet radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We Are America United is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. Welcome back to the C Dr. C Robert Jones situation report. All right, let's get this let's get this lesson started. We're talking about presidents unfit for the office. Past, present, and perhaps even future. But today we're going to focus on LBJ. Yeah. So, 
without further ado, yeah, <laughs> are you ready? Uh huh. You got your popcorn ready? Take a listen. Volunteer. If Secret Service agents found Kennedy to be reckless, Lyndon B. Johnson was uncouth, nasty, and often drunk. Agent Taylor recalls driving Johnson, who was then vice president, with another agent from the U.S. Capitol to the White House for a 4 p.m. appointment with Kennedy. Johnson, codenamed Volunteer, was not ready to leave until 3.45 p.m., because of traffic along Pennsylvania Avenue, they were going to be late. Johnson said to jump the curve and drive on the sidewalk, Taylor says. There were people on the sidewalk getting out of work. I told him, no. He said, I told you to jump the curb. He took a newspaper and hit the other agent who was driving on the head. He said, you're both fired. When they arrived at the White House, Taylor told Evelyn Lincoln, Kennedy's secretary, I've been fired. Lincoln shook her head in exasperation. Taylor was not fired. After becoming president on November 22, 1963, Johnson had affairs with several of his young fetching secretaries. When his wife, Lady Bird Johnson, was away, the Secret Service would take him to the home of one secretary. He would insist that the agents depart while he spent time with her. We took him to the house, and then he dismissed us, Taylor says. At one point, Lady Bird Johnson, codenamed Victoria, caught him having sex on a sofa in the Oval Office with one of his secretaries. Johnson became furious at the Secret Service for not warning him. He said, you should have done something, recalls a supervisory Secret Service agent. After the incident, which occurred just months after he took office, Johnson ordered the Secret Service to install a buzzer system so that agents stationed in the residence part of the White House could warn him when his wife was approaching. The alarm system was put in because Lady Bird had caught him screwing a secretary in the Oval Office, a former Secret Service agent says. He got so goddamn mad. A buzzer was put in from the quarters upstairs at the elevator to the Oval Office. If we saw Lady Bird heading for the elevator or stairs, we were to ring the bell. Johnson did not limit himself to the women he hired for his personal staff. He had a stable of women with whom he had sex, including some who stayed at the ranch when Lady Bird was home, another former agent says. He and Lady Bird would be in their bedroom, and he'd get up in the middle of the night and go to the other room, the former agent says. Lady Bird knew what he was doing. One woman was a well-endowed blonde. Another was the wife of a friend of his. He had permission from her husband to have sex with her. It was amazing. We had gals on my staff, he screwed, says Bill Gully, who headed Johnson's military office. One showed up for work when she wanted to show up. I couldn't tell her to do anything. Johnson would screw anything that would crawl, basically, says William F. Cuff, Gully's executive assistant in the military office. He was a horny old man, but he had a totally loyal White House staff. There was one common enemy everyone in the White House had, and that was him, Johnson. Therefore, everyone got along fine because they were afraid of him. 
asked in a 1987 TV interview about her husband's rumored infidelities. Lady Bird Johnson said, You have to understand, my husband loved people, all people, and half the people in the world were women. Air Force One crew members say Johnson often closed the door to his stateroom and spent hours alone locked up with pretty secretaries, even when his wife was on board. Johnson would come on the plane, Air Force One, and the minute he got out of sight of the crowds, he would stand in the doorway and grin from ear to ear and say, You dumb sons of bitches, I'll piss on all of you recalls Robert M. McMillan, an Air Force One steward. Then he stepped out of sight and began taking off his clothes. By the time he was in the stateroom, he was down to his shorts and socks. It was not uncommon for him to peel off his shorts, regardless of who was in the stateroom. Johnson did not care if women were around. He was totally naked with his daughters, ladybird, and female secretaries, McMillan says. He was quite well endowed in his testicles, so everyone started calling him Bull Nuts. He found out about it. He was really upset. Johnson was often inebriated. He kept bottles of whiskey in his car at the ranch. One evening when Johnson was president, he came back to the White House drunk, screaming that the lights were on, wasting electricity. He is the only person, president, I have seen who was drunk, says Frederick H. Walzell, a former chief of the White House branch of the Secret Service Uniform Division. He had episodes of getting drunk, George Reedy, his press secretary, told me. There were times where he would drink day after day. You would think, this guy is an alcoholic, and all of a sudden it would stop. We could always see the signs when he called for a scotch and a soda, and he would belt it down and call for another one instead of sipping it. Johnson's drinking only fueled his outbursts. We were serving roast beef one time, says McMillan. He, Johnson, came back in the cabin. Jack Valenti, Johnson's aide, was sitting there. He had just gotten his dinner tray. On it was a beautiful slice of rare roast beef. Johnson grabbed the tray and said, You dumb son of a bitch, you're eating raw meat. Johnson then brought the food back to the galley and said, You two sons of bitches, look at this. This is raw. You gotta cook the meat on my airplane. Don't you serve my people raw meat. God damn, if you two boys serve raw meat on my airplane again, you'll both end up in Vietnam. Johnson threw the tray upside down onto the floor and stormed off. A few minutes later, Valenti went back to the galley. "'Sorry about your dinner, Mr. Valenti,' McMillan said. "'Do we have any more rare?' Valenti asked. "'We have plenty of rare,' McMillan said. "'Well, he won't be back. He's done his thing. "'Don't serve me any fully cooked meat.' "'Gerald F. Pisha, another Air Force One steward, "'says that on one occasion when Johnson didn't like the way a steward had mixed a drink for him, "'he threw it onto the floor.' Get somebody who knows how to make a drink for me, Johnson said. At his ranch in Texas, Johnson was even more raunchy than at the White House. At a press conference at his ranch, Johnson whips his thing out and takes a leak, facing them, 
the reporters sideways, says D. Patrick O'Donnell, an Air Force One flight engineer. You could see the stream. It was embarrassing. I couldn't believe it. Here was a man who is the President of the United States, and he's taking a whiz out on the front lawn in front of a bunch of people. A Secret Service agent posted to his ranch recalls that Johnson would take celebrities on a tour of the ranch in a car that, unknown to them, was amphibious. As he approached the Pedernales River, he would drive the vehicle into the river, terrifying his guests. At six one morning, the agent was posted outside a door that led directly to Johnson's bedroom. I'm looking at the sun coming up and listening to the birds, and I hear this noise, the former agent says. I turn around, and here's the most powerful man in the world taking a leak off the back porch. And I remembered a saying down in Texas that I heard when I first got on that detail. When LBJ goes to the ranch, the bulls hang their heads in shame. This guy had a tool you wouldn't believe. The former agent was present when LBJ held a press conference with White House pool reporters as he sat on a toilet moving his bowels. He had discarded his girdle, which he wore to hide his girth. I just couldn't believe that this stuff was going on, the former agent says. But this was an everyday thing to the guys that were with him all the time. After Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated, an agent was told to wake Johnson in the morning so he could meet with his press secretary. I tapped on his bedroom door, the former agent says. Ladybird said to come in. He's in the bathroom, she said. I tapped on the bathroom door, the former agent says. Johnson was sitting on the can. Toilet paper was everywhere. It was bizarre. If Johnson weren't president, he'd be in an insane asylum. Former agent Richard Roth says he thought to himself when he was occasionally on Johnson's detail. Johnson kept dozens of peacocks at his ranch. One night at midnight, one of these peacocks was walking around, says David Curtis, who was temporarily assigned to Johnson's Secret Service detail at his ranch. It was a moonlit night, and an agent picked up a rock just intending to scare the darn thing. He lobbed it over in the direction of the peacock and hit him right in the head. The peacock went down like a ton of bricks. After an agent relieved him at his post, the agent told other agents, Oh, my God, I've killed a peacock. What do you think we should do? The consensus was, well, there were so damn many of them around, no one would miss one. Curtis says, just drag him down to the Pedernales River and throw him in. So that's what they did. At the break of dawn, the day shift relieved the midnight people. One of the day shift agents called the command post on the radio. My God, you've got to get out here, the agent said. Looks like a drunken peacock. He's all wet. He's staggering from one foot to the other, feathers askew. He's walking back up toward the house. Somehow, the peacock had recovered and managed to drag itself out of the river. Johnson never found out about the incident. Johnson was the grand thief, Gully, his White House military aide says. He knew where the money was. He had us set up a fund codenamed Greenball. It was a Defense Department fund, supposedly, to assist the Secret Service to purchase weapons. They used it for whatever Johnson wanted to use it for. 
Fancy hunting guns were bought. Johnson and his friends kept them. All the while, Johnson fostered the image of a penny-pincher who was saving taxpayer money. As part of an economy drive, Johnson announced he had ordered the lights turned off inside the ladies' room in the press area. When Johnson left office, Gully says he arranged for at least ten flights to fly government property to Johnson's ranch. O'Donnell, the Air Force One flight engineer, says he flew three of the missions, shipping what he understood were White House items back to the Johnson ranch. We flew White House furniture back, O'Donnell says. I was on some of the missions. The flights back were at 7.50 or 8.50 p.m. and early in the morning. I think he even took the electric bed out of Walter Reed Army Hospital. That was a disgrace. Johnson's greatest achievement was overcoming Southern resistance to passage of civil rights legislation. Yet in private, he regularly referred to blacks as niggers. After Johnson died, Secret Service agents guarding Ladybird were amazed to find that even though their home was crammed with photos of Johnson with famous people, not one photo pictured him with JFK. All right, welcome back. Oops. Welcome back to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. What do you think about that? Now, all of this, well, you know, all of this was well known during the time that Johnson was president. And members of the press knew about it as well. A lot of members of the press, not all, but a lot of members of the press knew the type of person that LBJ Lyndon Baines Johnson was and how he conducted himself while serving as our nation's chief executive. But I searched and I searched and I searched and I didn't find any articles, anything at all that indicated that there was a or there was talk um, officially of uh, articles of impeachment none whatsoever now I did find an article um, relating to um, Johnson's um, meltdowns but and how he would go off and how some thought that maybe you know he, he maybe he, he needed to be he needed to be replaced as a result of those things. But think about this. Wow. Now, many of you who've listened to my blog talk show from years back recall that I laid out specific proof that Johnson stated that after passage, he stated after uh, the civil rights bill had passed in the House and in the Senate that he did in fact state that he would now now we'll have those these those niggers voting Democrat for the next two hundred years, and a lot, and it and it turned out to be true, right? <laughs> it turned out to be true. You know what? Blacks have been played and played and played by these Democrats for such a long time, and a lot of black people. I'm going off in a different area right now, as you can tell. A lot of black people were raised 
by other black people, of course, to believe that the Democrat Party was on their side. So they believe in the Democrat Party based on what their parents taught them and what their parents' parents taught them or told them that that the way it was going to be. So they question the Democrat Party out of loyalty to their parents and the belief that they're going to get something for free. So when Johnson stated – and there's there's an actual audio recording of it, and I played it uh, on my show uh, uh, several years back where Johnson stated that now we'll have those niggas voting Democrat for the next 200 years and the fact that Johnson was clearly a racist (laughs) – you know, but the darling of the Democrat Party at that time, not only was he misogynistic, uh, misogynistic, racist, and all sorts of other really vile, despicable stuff, he was the Democrat president of the United States of America. Now, think about this. You watch your boss melt down on a national stage, erasing his attempt at damage control just a day earlier. You'd hear him talk about the very fine people, quote, very fine people, quote, end quote. Wait, quote, very fine people, end quote, at an overtly racist gathering where anti-Semitic chants fill the night. You watch him once again demonstrate an inability ever to acknowledge any error, much less an understanding of what White supremacy has meant to this country. What do you do? Who are we talking about? Are we talking about Donald Trump? No, we're talking about Lyndon Baines Johnson. So when we hear black people and liberals say that Donald Trump is a racist, think about this. When have you ever actually heard Donald Trump say something Let's say overtly racist that we know, okay, well, that's racist because he just called so-and-so a nigger or a chink or a spick. He's used these terminology. He's used these terms. So we now now can conclude that he's racist, not you reading into him being racist because he wants to keep MS-13 and other illegal criminals out of the country. And yeah, and if you got to throw in some innocent illegals too, well, so what? But is that racist? Um, Democrats will say so. But when we had a president named Lyndon Baines Johnson not so long ago, folks, who is touted to be the architect of the civil rights movement, of uh, civil rights legislation, he took credit for its passing. Yeah, but… Behind the scenes, my goodness. Well, just read a couple of the pictures that I have that go along with this broadcast. Those are his actual words. Now, if you're a significant player in the White House and you were becoming more and more convinced that something was seriously wrong with your president's mental and emotional health, what could you do? Who could you talk to? These aren't questions about President Donald Trump's White House staff. No. Or even leaking quietly. But if they did, they wouldn't be the first. 
During Lyndon Johnson's presidency, some of his closest aides started to talk privately behind his back about whether the president's mind was buckling under the pressure of an escalating war in Vietnam and radical and generational upheaval at home. We're talking about the civil rights movement and all the flower power and all that shit going on. So as these pressures fed into the darker side of the president's character, more and more of these aides began to search with no path to guide them for answers on what to do. They had no idea what to do. And as you heard from former Secret Service agents, former White House aides, folks who were stewards on Air Force One when he was on there, the pilots of Air Force One, credible people all, credible people all, each and every one. And you know what? Is it a conspiracy? Was it their opinion? Did they have an axe to grind? No. Secret Service agents serve the president. They're with him night and day, 24 hours a day in many cases for long periods of time. They have, yes, they, they, they undergo a vow of secrecy, but that ends once the president is no longer president and certainly after he is dead. That vow they're released from that vow. So all this stuff came out after he left the presidency, and it came out certainly even more so. It trickled out while he was president, and it trickled a little bit more after he left office. And then it poured once he checked out from a massive heart as a result of a massive heart attack. So when we talk about the 25th Amendment and a president being unfit for office, has Donald Trump done any of those things so far? Have we heard about Donald Trump having affairs? Have we even heard rumors about any of the misdeeds, any of the vile, dis disgusting things? Have, have we heard rumors? Because you know there are leaks in the White House, but those leaks have been about official things for the most part. Yeah, they've been a leaks about aides who said, you know, who, who said that uh, John McCain is about to check out, which he is. I don't know why that's a, you know, why why that's a, uh, why the person was fired because they stated the obvious, but they were, you know, they had to resign, I guess. And about Trump calling Haiti and other countries like Haiti shitholes, which they are. Other than that, other than that, there has been no disgusting, vile leaks like Trump sitting on the toilet, you know, or taking a leak off the back of uh, the uh, of the back of the White House uh, balcony or anything like that. And you know that if he did any of those things, it would be out there. You know it. But somehow he's being touted as being unfit for office. Trump derangement syndrome, TDS baby. You heard me? That is what we have here. When I had searched, I spent half the afternoon searching and searching and searching the National Archives, the Congressional Record, all of these things that I have access to, and countless articles. There was no talk whatsoever except this article here um, where aides were worried that LBJ might be going off the deep end. 
but nothing official. Congress wasn't saying, oh, we need to impeach this guy, or Republicans weren't saying, well, you know, if we take over, we're going to seek to impeach him because he's sleeping around with everything that moves, and he's taking a piss off the balcony, and he's doing other kind of crazy stuff, and he's stealing everything that isn't nailed down and sending it to his ranch. How brazen is that? That's ballsy, folks. That is ballsy. Can you imagine? You you know fully well that you're not going to run for re-election, so why not clean up? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, and we're going to finish up with LBJ. We've got more coming in the rest of the week, and the revelations just keep on coming about past presidents who have done the most outrageous things who have behaved extremely, well, poorly, I guess. And if we're talking about character, and we say that character matters, think about the character of Lyndon Baines Johnson. Think about the character of John F. Kennedy. Think about, oh, I've got oh, William Jefferson, Clinton, we got him too. We got a lot of stuff coming up, and we're going to talk about each and every one of them. I'm going to have reveal stuff that you never heard of before and stuff that you probably won't even believe. We'll be right back. No, 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 Taylor. I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. You see, I, uh, I didn't have any pie, so I gave pie to me. Now, I don't have any pie, so I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. I don't have any more pie, and you do. So you don't understand, Teller. I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. Thanks for cutting that piece. Now, neither one of us has any pie. So we'll find someone else who has pie. We won't take the pie from them. We'll give it to us. Now, where does Bill Gates live? Now, President Obama weighing in saying yet again that he does not believe that Donald Trump can end up winning this election in November, despite the fact that he's uh, got double the strength in the polls as his next closest competitor right now nationally and in South Carolina. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. President Obama on the Republican frontrunner. It's not hosting a talk show or a reality show. It's hard. Trump's response. This man has done such a bad job. He has set us back so far. 
And for him to say that actually is a great compliment. Trump's double-digit lead in our latest NBC News Survey Monkey national poll mirrors what's happening in South Carolina. We love South Carolina. <laughs> Let's go. He's got twice as much support as Ted Cruz, who's battling it out for seconds with Marco Rubio. This election has to be about making a difference. On the other hand, Jeb Bush, a distant fourth in Palmetto State polls. I will be a commander-in-chief, not an agitator-in-chief. He insists no matter where he finishes, South Carolina is not the end of his campaign. A fourth-place finish on Saturday night. Are we still going to Nevada? I'll be there. Ben Carson and John Kasich are also hoping for a strong finish in South Carolina. This is an important state for us. This weekend's primary could further narrow what was once a crowded field of 17 Republicans now down to six and counting. So those are the Republicans. Don't forget the Democrats also face off in Nevada this weekend, but it's a caucus and we really don't have a lot of polling data. So what's going to happen there between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders is really sort of anyone's guess at this point. Hey, YouTube fans, I'm Landon Dowdy from CNBC. Thanks so much for checking out our channel. Here you'll find videos packed with all the info that you need to be smarter about your finances. Be sure and subscribe by clicking right here and click on all the videos around me to see CNBC's original series, Young Money, Tech Bet, Kramer's Mad Money, and all the latest from CNBC. The summit pushed Trump critics over the edge in their disdain for the president's behavior. Slobbering servility, supine puppy. And such disdain has triggered a counterattack. Trump derangement syndrome has officially come to the Senate. Well, actually, it's been everywhere else. Full-blown Trump derangement syndrome? Trump derangement syndrome uh, has become a thing. Now, I've never heard of uh, Trump derangement syndrome. I'm not a doctor, but... You don't need a degree in psychiatry to make the diagnosis. Trump derangement syndrome. Hatred of Donald Trump so intense that it impairs people's judgment. The president himself is citing TDS. On The View, Judge Jeanine Pirro pointed at Whoopi, saying she had it. Did you just point at me? Yes! Listen, I don't have Trump derangement. You know what's horrible? What's when, horrible when the president of the United States whips up cities. people. It took a commercial break to calm her down. I very rarely lose my cool, but I also don't like being accused of being hysterical. TDS is nothing new. Fifteen years ago, someone coined the term Bush derangement syndrome, which was followed by Obama derangement syndrome. And now... She's got a little bit of that Trump derangement syndrome. I'm hoping that one of these <laughs> comedians will come up with a anti-anxiety medication for these liberals. You just take, take one tablet a day. Maybe a suppository and take it Whoa, easy. It? <laughs> but who needs a suppository when Jimmy Kimmel has a cure? Do you feel like the world is out to get you? You may be suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. Ask your doctor about Resign. Resign and get you back to living the life you used to love. Maybe critics have to resign themselves to feeling deranged. Genie Mose. This is called Obama derangement syndrome. CNN. What we affectionately call Bush derangement syndrome. Trump derangement syndrome. Make yourself great again. Resign. New York. All right. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Wow. <clears throat> Donald Trump is morally, morally unfit to be president. That was James B. Comey, the FBI director Trump fired last year. He declared this in an ABC interview a couple of weeks back, I mean, about a month or so, really. 
that kicked off the publicity tour for his book, A Higher Loyalty. Think about this. Donald Trump is morally unfit to be president. So does that suggest that, mm, I don't know, John F. Kennedy was morally fit? Nope. Was LBJ morally fit? Was, hmm, Franklin Delano Roosevelt morally fit? He had an affair or two, one that lasted more than 30 years. Hmm. Was Eisenhower morally fit? He had a long-standing affair with an English woman by the name of Kay Summersby. I can go on and on and on and on. Where was Comey when Bill Clinton was getting a, well, being serviced in the Oval Office itself? Was he, so is Bill Clinton morally fit? Because we all know him to be a liar of biblical proportions. So what does morally fit mean? Who is to judge moral fitness? Shouldn't we first agree on what moral behavior is? Philosophers, theologians, and ethnicists, that's an actual thing, have argued about it for thousands of years. And the rest of us grapple with the question too. We're talking about basic right and wrong and what we consider to be good and bad. And we differ widely on the answer. When Bill Clinton was getting serviced in the White House by a young Monica Lewinsky, Democrats came to his defense saying that that's his personal business. That's between he and his wife. Well, Donald Trump is only accused of having an affair with a porn actress, and somehow he's unfit. So, yeah, and yeah, there were a lot of Democrats who thought he was, you know, morally, I don't know if they thought he was morally unfit, so I can't really say that. And I mean, I, I lived through it. I, I kept up with the news. I, I was transfixed by it like a lot of us were, were back in that time. But this is certainly true when it comes to matters of sex. One area in which President Trump's moral fitness has come under the most scrutiny. Sex. But we just heard that LBJ got it on every single chance he got. And tomorrow we'll hear how President John F. Kennedy got it on every single chance he got with somebody other than his wife even while his wife was in the same building. He was doing them two at a time. And with a bad back, you know, somehow you got to admire him if you're a guy. But look, so if it's about moral fitness, then there are a lot of presidents who are morally unfit for the office. Quite a few. My main man, Thomas Jefferson, Morally unfit. If we're talking about moral fitness and matters of sex and other areas, there's a lot to go around. A lot to go around. 
Yeah. It's, you know, divergent evaluations of behavior have driven our culture wars for decades, and sex has often been at the center of it. But it wasn't always so, and we know that. We know that with LBJ. We know that with JFK. At the end of the 19th century, though, Americans did hold a shared morality, or the closest they'd come to it. At least where sex and marriage were concerned. When Whatever else Americans disagreed about back then, race, war, labor laws, and other stuff, most believed in and took for granted as natural a sexual order in which men were the heads of households, wives needed to submit to husband's authority, and monogamous heterosexual marriage was the only moral place for sexual relations. Sex. This was believed to be God's law or nature's, and those who broke the rules were often punished or shunned. You damn right they were. So we got about seven minutes left, but we're going to come back to this tomorrow. You know we will. And we're going to talk about some other presidents who were unfit for office. Yeah, you know it. So listen, if you want to tune in tomorrow, you want to call in. The call in number is 646-668-8678. Call in. Talk to the host. Share your opinion. Spread the word about the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report. Come on in and talk about it. If you have a question, if you want to, if you want to lay it out there, my Twitter is U.S. Marine underscore U.S. Marine and U.S. Marine One. My email address is U.S. Marine One at hotmail dot com. Yeah. Hell, my personal cell number seven seven zero nine zero three five nine seven seven. Call me, baby. Let's talk about it. Because when it comes to this sort of thing, I am the Mac of all daddies. I I take the time. I take the time. I do the research. I get the information. And when I got it, you got it. On this show, on this show, on this blog talk radio show, and there are thousands, hundreds of other shows out there. On this show, you're going to get information. You're going to get history that your mama never told you about. Daddy either. You're going to get information that historians have kept on the down low like a damn uh, Morehouse homosexual. You know those Morehouse guys. You know, can't trust them. On the down low, each and every one. And historians have kept y'all on the down low, just like a down low brother at Morehouse College. Just like that, but not me. I'm going to set it off. And you're going to hear about it. I don't have any shame. And all my friends will tell you that that is exactly right. I have no shame. And guess what? You're the beneficiary. 
of that. All I do is win, baby. Just like my man, Donald Trump. I want to say thank you very much for listening tonight. I want you to have a great night and a great tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow, 8 o'clock. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Just win, baby, win. All I do is win.